0: Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual, global gathering of phenomenal women and those of you who love them. Yes, you, mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, fearsome and so generous, humble and so honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep and we come up strong. But for those of you joining us for the first time, Each month, we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yes, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us that there are some things we just don't talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week, we experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we start right where we are. I am so excited about how the show is going. Would you believe we are in our ninth month of proof that dreams can come true? Now, y'all know by now, Frankly Speaking with Tyree G was one of my most precious dreams. I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, your encouragement. You know those were the gifts that inspired me to keep on keeping on. I can't do this without you, right? Thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, compu- computer, or mobile device. And we are webcasts worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 o'clock. Should you miss us? Don't worry. You can catch us, catch our podcast on YouTube. Just key in Frankly Speaking with Tyra G, and there we are. And if you just feel like connecting with me offline, you know that's my most special thing that can happen. That's easy. Email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so very much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song and for thoughtfully naming it, I'm listening. So, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a question we ask children and adults. We grow up getting our clues as to who we are from significant others and multimedia images and stories. We begin in a once, upon a once upon a time, and we have a goal of living happily ever after. Somewhere between the ages of three and 10, we seem to be drawn to the land of superheroes. Did you know that 37% of children ages three to 10, when asked what they want to be when they grow up, they say superheroes. In American culture, the concept of the future self is critical. Required, It drives us to improve, to become richer, more successful, a happier version of who we are. It keeps us from getting blinkered by the world we grew up in, allowing us to see other potential worlds, new and different concepts, our infinite other selves. But the future self can also torture us, it can mock us for who we have failed to become. Now if you doubt that we all arrive in this world with gifts, and as a gift, pay attention to an infant or a very young child. They arrive in this world of this kind of person rather than that, or that, or that. They do not show up as raw material to be shaped into whatever image the world might want them to take. They arrive with their own gifted form, with the shape of their own sacred soul. Biblical faith calls it the image of God in which we are all created. Thomas Merton calls it true self. Quakers call it the inner light or that of God in every person. The humanist tradition calls it identity and integrity. No matter what you call it, it is a pearl of great price. Our inclinations and proclivities were planted in us at birth. They are our vocational and spiritual desires and fascinations to do this rather than that. When we pursue them, we find personal fulfillment, courage, authenticity, creativity, and love. When we gift them, we become torches illuminating the world. Our theme this month is what we think we know. It's inspired by all that we bring to the table as we live day-to-day experience. We're going to take a kaleidoscope view of the impact of education, knowledge through a selected set of different lenses. We're going to have some fun doing it too. You know I always like to introduce our monthly theme, what we think we know, with a few related quotes from voices I respect who look and live beyond the words they speak. And I begin to quote, knowledge is power, information is liberating. Education is the premise of progress in every society, in every family. That was Kofi Annan. For beautiful eyes, look for the good in others. For beautiful lips, speak only words of kindness. And for poise, walk with the knowledge that you are never alone. That is Audrey Hepburn speaking. The true sign of, an, of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. Albert Einstein. Aim for success, not perfection. Never give up your right to be wrong, because then you will lose the ability to learn new things and move forward in your life. Remember that fear always lurks behind professionalism. That was David Burns. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But they really make you feel that you, too, They rarely, excuse me, make you feel that you too can become great. And lastly, if you are planning for a year, sow rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. If you're planning for a lifetime, educate people. And that was a Chinese proverb. That ends our quotes for this month. After our break, you will meet a man who believes that every one of us can do better than give up. He is a testimony. Impossibility is merely a word that describes a degree of difficulty. You stay close now. University, and we are back. This is the part of my show that I love the most, and today it's so special. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You, you have someone in your life you truly love and you respect, and all, and then. There comes an occasion when you find something, you hear something they say or do, and you go, wow, I never knew that before. Well, my guest, Dr. Bill Cox, whom I will be calling Bill, is my friend, my surrogate brother, my mentor, and he's a wonderful man with a wonderful history, and I went to him so he could coach me through a business decision, and in that process, he told me a story and I'm listening to the story, and I'm thinking, whoa, have you told this before? And he said, well, sometimes when I'm speaking, I talk about it. I said, no, 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 Bill. People need to know that who you are now didn't just happen, that there is a journey involved, and that it is a process, and processes go backwards and forwards and up and down. Will you come on my show, Brother Bill, and will you share your journey? and he said yes and he's here today Phil please say hello to our audience and remember they're intergenerational and multicultural so um let's pretend you're a best selling book and they just picked you up off the shelf and they're trying to figure out what are you all about tell them who you are
1: well first of all i want to thank you Tara for for being on this show thank on you on your yeah. show yeah um uh, to tell the audience uh, about me, I really, I want to start with birth.
0: Okay, that's a good place. Uh,
1: I was born a long time ago, <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> to be uh, to be exact. Uh, uh-huh. I both of my parents, Artensey uh, and Jessica Cox, uh, both had only sixth grade education. Okay. And which means that my father was uh, a garbage co- collector. Okay. And my mother cleaned homes. Mm-hmm. So uh, needless to say, uh, I grew up very poor okay. as a very poor person. I didn't realize it at the time because everybody was happy. Everybody was doing their own thing, and nobody was uh, uh Better than anybody else. Yes, yes. So uh, uh, growing up poor meant a lot. I didn't want to be poor. Uh, And in high school, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, in high school, I didn't do as well as
0: I could. That happens to us sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes it does. (laughs) Yes.
1: But... You know, I uh, I thought about I had the ability, mm-hmm. but I I just wanted to run the streets. I wanted to hang with the boys and be uh,
0: be a man with the girls, uh, <laughs> if you will. Yeah.
1: You know, until I went to college, and that's when I woke up. Okay. I really woke up. Uh, Seeing Dr. King come on campus at the time, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Uh, I was, uh, uh, and I thought college was one of those things where smart people went. Okay. To be honest, to be honest with you, my first, the first college I ever saw in my life mm-hmm. was the one I attended for four years.
0: And what that was?
1: Alabama a m University. Okay. Alabama A and M.
0: Alabama A and M. Shout out to Alabamians.
1: Yeah. Shout out to them. If it's Alabama A and M College at the time, okay. uh, now it's a university. Okay. But uh, I went there, and uh, I decided to work hard for selfish reasons. Okay. I didn't want to flunk out and go back home, <laughs> so <laughs> I. I worked extremely hard exceptionally hard during my first year okay and uh and it didn't take me long to figure out why some of the other students were there okay i just couldn't couldn't believe it mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. but uh, uh I worked very hard extremely hard and uh Earned my degree in four years. And uh, right after college, I decided to get married.
0: Uh-huh. So I guess you stopped running the street with the boys, huh?
1: Uh, I had to stop. <laughs> uh, start running the street with the boys and uh, got married. Four years later, they uh-huh. come my first child. And 17 months later, my second one. Uh-huh. And uh, that... Uh, sort of grounded me, if you will, mm-hmm. you know. What were you
0: doing then? Okay, you graduated from uh, college, you got married. What were you doing professionally at that time?
1: Professionally, I started out working on the Apollo State, uh, Apollo program, uh, the satellite program uh, at Redstone Arsenal. I- I'm sorry, General Electric. Okay. Uh, GE, we were doing the ground support equipment on, for the Apollo spacecraft
0: wow. at the time, uh-huh. and
1: I worked there for two years, and then I went to uh, a more technical background. I was teaching, I was a missile instructor, Oh my. the Hawk Missile, uh-huh. and uh, this was a missile being used in uh, Vietnam at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to, you know, speaking of my career, I never had a bad job. I never had a bad job in my life.
0: Let's put a comma there for a minute because Mm -hmm. that's an interesting statement because I always say where you sit is where you stand. Right. So it was what you took to the job that made you evaluate that this isn't a bad job. Mm -hmm. Am I right or wrong on that?
1: No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And from there, uh, you, you see, Tara, I have you have to think about the time period.
0: Yes. Of yes. when it was history, yes, you, yes.
1: The, the historical as, aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I've been through a lot.
0: Mhm.
1: And uh uh like I said, I didn't really wake up until I went to got to Alabama a Mhm. And uh the civil rights movement. For example, I went to Dr. King's funeral. Okay. In Atlanta. And I, you just don't kill a president. But I lived through that. I was yeah, a senior we all in high did. school. Right, right. Senior in high school. Yeah. You don't, and following the uh, Kennedy's murder, then his brother. brother.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Then yes.
1: Dr. King, and then Malcolm, and yeah. then, then, uh, oh, what's his name from Mississippi? Metger. Metger, Ed, Ebers. Ebers. -hmm. Ebers. Yeah. You know, I lived through all of that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, nevertheless, uh, with all these these killings, I made up my mind at that time Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to work for anybody else. I knew I had to. Okay. Okay. uh, Because, uh, uh... I was. I had a family. Okay. A wife and two children. Two okay. two, two kids at the time.
0: Uh
1: huh. So I, I, I just got fed up with this country. Okay. And went to Europe. Okay. Where I taught uh, for the United States Armed Forces Institute.
0: And you went to Europe where? That's a big place.
1: Uh, Germany. <laughs> okay.
0: You went to Germany
1: uh, for six years. I was in Germany. Uh huh. And I uh, decided to. That's when things opened up for me. Okay. That's when I first realized that I could be anything that I wanted to be.
0: Say it again. Say it again. I want everybody out there, if you were dozing or having coffee, listen to these words. This is what my show is all about. Say it again. You realize.
1: I realized that I could be anything that I wanted to be.
0: Yes. 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 Go you ahead. Know.
1: Go ahead. So <clears throat> uh, Things went very extremely well, exceptionally well in Europe for uh-huh. me. Okay. Uh, I went there uh, teaching uh, mathematics, aeronautics, general aeronautics, and uh, other topics. Mm-hmm. But that job phased out in six months, and I did not want to come back to the states. So I was out of a job. Okay. Married with two young Babies. children. Yep. At the time, so I decided to. Uh, Um, seek out the Air Force and I was uh, hired as an assistant education services officer at the time I learned the system uh, but I must praise uh, Chuck Magnuson at the time the guy that I worked for because Chuck pretty much uh, allowed me to run the operation for him Okay. Which was the largest in Europe, okay. throughout Europe, and uh, I did, and I said, uh, pretty soon after about uh, a year's time, I said, "Why am I somebody's else's assistant? I can do this by myself." <laughs> so okay. Uh, so luck would have it that uh, that I was able to get a job at Swabirken Aerospace in Europe. Mm-hmm. in Germany okay and uh, from there i uh, uh, I decided to learn how to manipulate the system and I'm sorry to say this but uh, it's true I in terms of the system, I was talking about getting promoted mm-hmm. going to the next level mm- mm-hmm. Get into the next level, and you have to do. You have to have that manipulative sort of spirit in you mm-hmm. if you want to. Mm-hmm. You have to try to get on panel discussions and speaking and writing and and doing uh, various other things uh, that uh, that's going to help you in your career. So, uh, so from there, from the from Europe mm-hmm. after six years. I went over there on a three-year contract and ended up staying six years uh, because uh, I didn't want to come back. And the only place I wanted to come back was this area.
0: Okay, Washington, the D.C. Washington, Washington,
1: Washington D.C. area. Uh-huh. Because I heard, I knew, I had read about a black mayor, a black police chief, a black fireman, fire chief, uh-huh. and I just wanted to be around black people at yeah. the time, uh-huh. and uh, that's how uh, I ended up, uh, in th- the only job that I wanted was at the Pentagon, and that's the job that I got. The only job that I wanted in this country was at the Pentagon.
0: I want I wanted to put a comma there again, okay. because um, you have filled us with information and stuck in the middle of the information you've given us some knowledge mm-hmm. that you gain that's when you get something out of the information and use right. it okay i heard you say in your journey i was poor mm-hmm. didn't know i was poor because we were happy right. messed around because i wanted to be the man went to college and realized the man needed more than messing around mm-hmm. got out of school in four years preceded my career to the point that I went to Germany and had some successful uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. But it was there that you also learn. And this is where the information folks, listeners, turns into knowledge. Because Bill said, I learned the system. Mm -hmm. But what he said was not negative. He said, I realized if I wanted to get promoted, I had to be in front of people. I had to speak. I had to write. And I don't know if you all remember last month I had the executive producer from um, CBS, ex- uh, executive vice president uh, from CBS, and she said, Tyra, it's not who you know. It's who knows you. Right. And so that knowledge, that glue helped you prepare. But I want everyone else to hear there was a backdrop, a historical backdrop that happened to people that are my age and Bill's age. And that was something we had never, ever seen before in America. It And, and I remember when President Kennedy was shot, I was, in, I was just in college, and I thought, oh, my God, the world's going to fall apart. But that's when I began to understand that there were systems in place for sustainability. But what Bill is saying to us was, All of that going on impacted him emotionally. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to come back to a place that impacted him negatively unless it was a place where he saw people that looked like him in leadership positions. And I heard you say, Bill, if I'm right, the only place you wanted to come back to was Washington, D.C., and the only job you wanted was in the Pentagon. That's correct. All right, L- yes. now look at that, look yes. at that. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go forward. Well, uh,
1: at the Pentagon, I had the chance to travel around the world. Okay. Which I did. Okay. I spent uh, a whole month in, in the Far East, in Asia. Uh-huh. And—
0: uh, What were you doing? I forgot to ask you that.
1: I, I was at uh, ed- education programs administrator. Okay. For the Air Force, okay. working at the Pentagon. And at the same time, I was in charge of over 150-plus uh, guidance counselors around the world. Okay. So uh, uh, that job was fine, mm-hmm. but it wasn't fulfilling Okay, because I could do it easily. Yes. And I decided to—I always wanted to— being a becoming entrepreneur,
0: yes, yes,
1: myself, yes, having calling my own shots, running my own business, uh, because I was uh, kind of hard headed,
0: really, and yeah, just a bit, <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> just a bit, just a bit,
1: just a bit. So, luckily, I ran into uh, Frank Matthews, who okay, uh. And Frank and I started hanging out together. We started talking about business. Mm-hmm. And uh, Black Issues in Higher Education was started. A and public- what is that? What is that? That's a publication. Okay. That's it's, a publication uh, that reaches colleges and universities nationwide.
0: Okay. Now, this is important because we've gone now from regional to global back to entrepreneurship. Yes. And two things I'm, I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but you said some good stuff I got to share. Okay. I heard something that I always say when I'm mentoring to people. They said, Well, you know, I'm making money, I got a great family, but mm-hmm. I asked myself, Is that all there is? Right. And that right. motivates people sometimes to go, okay, I got all this, but wait a minute. Do I want to do this the rest of my life? And I heard you say no. And then you had that magic moment where you met someone that resonated right. with your dream. Right. And that's Frank Matthews. Frank Frank,
1: and I started uh, business uh, back in 1982. Okay. most Most people apply... Look at 1984 as our starting point, but the first two years we can make we didn't make a cent.
0: That's important for people to we know. We didn't make it
1: a penny. The second two years of blackish black issues in higher education we didn't make a cent. So that's a total of four years without any income coming in. But we both had jobs. Okay. And. Uh, Frank was uh, an assistant uh, vice president at George Mason University. Okay. And I was working at the Pentagon. Uh, We realized that we had to put in numerous hours. Okay. Of um, leaving the Pentagon, coming to Fairfax, uh, Mm -hmm. and cracking on the business, you know.
0: Uh, Okay, for those who... Uh, there are people, and this is this is something that came to me, younger people, millennials, Gen X, people mm-hmm. that are in college, are hungry to have conversations with people like you because what you just said was, we were working our jobs to support our families, and we continue to dream.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that dream took a lot of work.
1: It took a lot of work. It lo- took a lot of effort. Uh it actually, uh, I started uh, Black Issues in Higher Education in the basement of my own
0: house. Okay.
1: Unfinished basement, by the way. Okay. Cold.
0: Cold it, and unfinished.
1: Cold and unfinished. It uh, it took me and Frank to uh, six months of first, uh, to uh, complete the first volume, okay. volume one, number one. Uh-huh. And after we did that, uh, we had to convince the audience of, why the need for black issues in higher education remember now in nineteen eighty four talking about black issues in higher education and at a predominantly white environment mm-hmm. was kind of bold and kind of uh
0: don't be modest well, it was bold it was bold because was bold. Uh, I was doing some research on black publications. Mm -hmm. And the closest I got were books and institutionalized and religious publications. Something like what you were doing was unheard of, even though there had been black publishers since, I guess, in the 19th century. But it was the 60s through the 80s that it started to gain some kind of traction. But what you and Frank were trying to do is a totally different thing. What we
1: were trying to do at the time was to inform and educate White uh, presidents okay. and administrators. That's what we were trying to do because there were not enough of blacks at predominantly white institutions at the time. Mm-hmm. There's still not even yes. today. Right. That's why after thirty-four years, almost thirty-five, we're still in business I because heard that. education. I always say that. Uh, I always say that education will always always have a problem.
0: Okay, tell me why.
1: Number one, the diversity, and that's the one of the key uh, things with higher education. Mm -hmm. There're not uh, not enough diverse groups. Not there still is the 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 white administrator, the white. Um, presidents of most companies, of, mm-hmm. of most colleges and universities. And there are only 100, a little over 100 HBCUs, historical black right. colleges and right. universities. Right. And which I, uh, I attended at Alabama A&M. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the 4,000, there are over 4,000 colleges and universities in this country. Mm-hmm. And they have a long way to go in terms of diversifying their faculty, mm-hmm. their administrators. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about minority groups. Mm-hmm. I, I'm talking about the whole ball of wax. In this country, is becoming more and more, more and more color mm-hmm. conscious than than ever before.
0: Well, let me let me ask a question. As as I take that in, um, what do you think the barriers are? Is, is it historical barriers? Is it a need for control and power? Why can't we break not just the glass ceiling but the color ceiling to the point where we could be presidents of uh, major?
1: We're, we're making some strides. Okay. We're m- making some, okay. but not fast enough. Okay. The, the majority of institutions are still predominantly white.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and uh, uh i I see them working hard what they're doing is keeping me in business in business <laughs> okay you know, i do they They really are doing a lot to try, but how many black people want to go to north Dakota or um, South
0: Dakota. Any Dakota for me. I used to work for IBM, and I used to think I was being punished in the winter when they yeah. sent me to places like that. So I personally don't want to go. Mm-hmm. But but I, I do. Okay, what you have just said to me in in very uh, loquacious way is, Tyra, my audience is major white universities.
1: My audience is okay. predominantly white institutions. And uh, so in what
0: you produce yeah. is how let me put it this way: How do you format? How do you push out information that you know they will receive, not as threats or anything, but how do you push it out and say, "Hey, these are things you need to know to help you serve your diverse." What do you What do you and Frank do?
1: Well, we basically just put out news and information that's current news and information. Uh, Frank and I don't do as much as we used to okay, um
0: uh, you're we, allowing for some another allowing generation uh, to come for <laughs> a
1: new generation to pretty much take over
0: that's a good news,
1: you that's, know, yeah, um I would be i have a birthday next month
0: we both have
1: yours uh, too yeah, okay, in may, yeah or April may okay, well, uh Two months. I I think uh, I I really believe that uh, the young people are doing a fantastic job of staying on top of the news. My own children, Mm -hmm. uh, William and Tara, Mm -hmm. uh, they're doing uh, exceptionally well. Ralph and Maya are doing well. The team of people that we have assembled Mm are. doing great jobs Mm -hmm. and one of the things that uh that i have to do make sure we have we pull together the right staff Mm -hmm. to run to keep the show in other words you have to buy into the business and the culture yeah 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 buy into the business and the culture as well because it's
0: your dream see this is the thing a lot of people don't understand and as an entrepreneur myself, it's when I look to people, it's not what I'm doing or where I'm going. It's who I'm traveling with. Mm-hmm. I have to have a team that can catch my dream. Right. I have to have a crew that understands what I've been through. That, um, And this is why I wanted to talk to you today. I wanted people to understand. You didn't just wake up and have the story you're telling now. And... I think one of the things that happens to me as I talk to younger people whom I just adore allowing me in their lives is I know it's hard. You get everything in a nanosecond mm-hmm. through social media. It's hard to understand that this whole thing is a process.
1: Well, it's, it is a process, and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd like to add that um, thank God for the, for the young Younger generation and their energy because and their energy and what they bring to mm-hmm. the table because uh, printing the magazine mm-hmm. is is only one thing we do right 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 and I don't want you to talk
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because I want to I want to go with you to your diversification of of mm-hmm. information Can okay. I take a short break Absolutely I get spanked when I don't
1: Oh <clears throat> okay no comment Okay. <laughs> and we'll be right back.
0: And we are back with Dr. Bill Cox, better known as Brother Bill to me, my mentor and my friend, and okay. we're talking about his journey um from bo- from birth till today and for me it's a wonderful journey because it ex- it it shares the experience that uh, life is many things. It's never just one way, it's many ways. And uh, he's he's talked about uh, his accomplishments. And right now, we have stepped with him from a place of working for others to achieving or working on achieving a dream with his business partner as entrepreneur and publisher. And I'd like for you to pick up, Bill, where we left off.
1: Well, um, Tara, I'd just like to say that... uh, you know with black issues in higher education, we really didn't didn't know where it was gonna go okay we we had no idea i was i happened to be attending uh taking a course at harvard university mm-hmm. in cambridge mm-hmm. uh back in nineteen eighty four and uh at uh m i t which is across the street mm-hmm. from harvard um there was a, a conference going on with over a 1,000 college administrators oh, from okay. around the world. Okay. And I called Frank, and I said, get up here. So we rented a suite uh, at the Hyatt Regency, mm-hmm. uh, swooped in uh, b- booze and chicken and mm-hmm. stuff like that to uh, host the, the attendees. And that's how we, we got started. That's how we spread the word. We had already subdequen- subsequently, uh, we had all the HBCU, the historical black colleges and universities behind us mm-hmm. because we had met them at, at the Washington Hilton mm-hmm. uh, months before. Mm-hmm. So we had that collection of people. I had over... I was working with over five hundred colleges in university at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Frank uh was working uh, as an affirmative action officer mm-hmm. uh at the time. So we had we had the the audience that we were looking for. Okay. And blacks pretty much said that black issues in higher education, they saw it as their Bible. Okay. Because until up until then there was only one other um publication in higher education was the Chronicle of Higher yeah, Education. Yeah we which all is know a that great deal. Excellent. Which is an excellent publication. <coughs> By the way, uh um uh, we now do jointly with the Chronicle, we have a publication called Convergence. I love it. And uh um uh, our team is responsif- responsible for all the editorial, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chronicle is, is responsible for the selling of the magazine. Excellent. Although it doesn't p- permit us from selling, but we are totally responsible for all the content, all the editorial content. Congratulations. In that magazine. That's excellent. Yeah, thank you. So, but anyway, uh, uh, running higher education uh, black issues in higher education. By the way, we changed the name to diverse issues in higher education. And
0: what prompted that?
1: We become to in order to become more inclusive. Yes. In the in the higher education community, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that we chose diversity diverse issues in higher education was to a a, a lot of that came as part of the Internet. Uh, it allowed, I mean, I would never try to start a publication, uh, a print publication in my life again. <laughs> i <I've> would <laughs> never tried to do it. As a matter of fact, we, we've owned three publications. We own Community College Week. We own Black Issues Book Review. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we sold those, which was a smart thing. And the Internet came along. Now we have diverse military, mm-hmm. diverse community colleges, uh, diverse books, mm-hmm. uh, diverse health, and so on and so on. And those publication and the, a diverse daily alert comes out every day, every day, I every know. day, every day. It seems so, like
0: when you chose the brand mm-hmm. diverse, it moved you into a much larger playing field because you're not just talking about diverse in culture, gender, or race, right. you it allows you to uh, target uh, segments of the industry, health, education, military, right. and what. So that that's a dynamic that should have multiplied.
1: Well, uh-huh. uh, one of the things that I try to do, try to instill in the young staff now, I don't do as much work as I used to.
0: That's okay. Uh, that's uh, good. That's so good. You've earned this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I try to let them know, to understand, and they should understand this better than I, Mm -hmm. that the Internet is worldwide. The Mm -hmm. Internet is free. Mm -hmm. And we need to, I mean, there should be promotional opportunities. I'm I'm, I'm a marketing expert. I call myself one Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm responsible for the company being staying out of the red if you yes will, yes, to the green, yes, and so my job is to make money for the company I think that's, that's a good that's, job myself, particularly good, if you're good at it uh, well i, <laughs> I think I, I think I am I think you are and, too uh uh it's a, it 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 really has paid off for us, uh in the long run
0: well, um quickly. It's 5 years from now. Where do you see diverse issues in higher education? 5
1: years from now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I see I see I don't see a print version of the magazine okay. anymore. Okay. Good. And mm-hmm. I've been telling the staff that okay. the the young people who are running the business right now, mm-hmm. it print is going to go away. I just just the same just uh the same as the music industry yeah. from uh, CDs to from albums CDs to the streaming albums. Yeah. i mean I, you know we we have new ways of doing things and new the ways changed. of communicating yes, yes, and we yes. have to stay up and one of the things that uh we're we're very fortunate uh with is that uh you know when newspapers took uh, newspapers are not what they used to be the mm-hmm. ones who are still around, mm-hmm. and technology caught up with a lot of publications. Some had some that had been around for over hundred years mm-hmm. are no longer with us today. Uh, Colorado is is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, some in California, but uh, you, you one must really stay up to the technological terms of disseminating information and how that is to be done.
0: And I think one of the things we always talked about when I was uh, in marketing with IBM and more so um, when working at government level is go where the eyes are. Mm -hmm. And the eyes are not buying papers. The eyes are on their mobile devices and they want it delivered to them. I'm going to ask you to fulfill an assignment I gave you. Which is one I give all of my guests. And yeah. I know I need to tell you all this. My brother said, I don't want to write a letter to my younger <laughs> self. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. And all of a sudden, he sounded like his younger self. Yeah. But he told me, he told me that he did it. So let's see how Only he did Only for you. Only for me. Yeah. Okay, well, let's see how you did You yeah. want to begin now? Yes.
1: I'm writing this letter to William Earl Cox not to Bill Cox, which I am best known. William Earl followed from the early days of my life. The name Bill Cox did not come into play until I started college. William Earl prepared Bill Cox for what was to become a very fruitful life, first as a husband, a father, a grandfather, a business person, and a child of God. I can truly say that I have been blessed. Growing up in the southwestern parts of Alabama or any parts of the South, it was, was not easy for a black male. I did realize it at the time that most black people that I knew were very poor, including my own family. You will not know it, but everyone in my community appeared to be happy as well as content with life. Had a very good childhood as a child. Raised by a mother of four whose husband was killed on his birthday while coming home from a night of celebration. My mother was a very religious person which meant that we all went to church on Sundays. Bus had been going to Sunday school regular service at 11 o'clock in Baptist training union union, uh, Baptist youth training union programs as a child I picked cotton picked potatoes picked watermelons, pecans and many other farm produce at that time I did not know what I wanted to do in life when I knew what I did not want to do for the rest of my life. Hard work as a child will really paid off. We prepared me for what I am today and surprised many, especially my classmates. I had the ability to do well in class, but did not apply myself. I applied to one college, which was A&M College, which is now Alabama A&M University. I had not seen a college before coming, before seeing A&M. I went there on a trailways bus, and one thought, one had to be very smart to get into, go, go to college. So, boy, uh, was I wrong. I often wondered how some students even finished high school, let alone got into college. At that time, there was no ACT or SAT tests to take. It said we had to take en- English and math proficiency examinations, which I passed both. Nevertheless, I worked very hard during my first semester. The key key point, William Earl, is to work hard, work smart, and do not let anyone tell you what you can't do. It may not come as soon as you wish, but it will come. You must have faith in God, believe in yourself, in spite of the odds against you. You have to pray a lot, believe in Christ, because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the the answer.
0: Well, I think you did very well. I'll give you an A on your paper. How's that? That'll work, right? I'll take it. I'll take it. Listen, you have made my day. Hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you know I like to... um, in each one of our programs with a little something something i call a spiritual doggy bag something that will help you uh maybe it's wednesday maybe it's thursday maybe it's friday morning you're going like i am so tired i am sick of this i don't want to do this anymore blah 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 we all have days like that mm-hmm. so when we have those days i want you to think about this you were born with everything you need there is nothing You are missing. There is no need to frantically become more, be more, do more, get more. You are whole and complete. And you were gifted with every talent and insight you needed to thrive in this world at the moment you were born. Your only job is to accept this truth and then allow it to unfold. Some gifts don't become apparent until later in life. Some insights only become clear once you have had-life experiences that unlock the wisdom from within you. I want to leave you with this. Whatever you're going through, trust and relax and understand that this is Tyra G. from Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Again, my guest has been Mr. Bill Cox, educator, publisher, board member, husband, father, grandfather, and friend. Join me next week, same time, same place. I'll be here. See you then. Mr. Tony Walker is going to take us out for our last seconds on piano.